Companies are returning to business travel slowly, but consumers have brought revenge travel into full swing this year. In 2022 to date, 213 million travelers had cleared through airport security, according to the United States Transportation Security Administration. In 2019, the equivalent number was just 13% higher at 250 million. With renewed action in travel, investors are coming back to the hotel and hospitality sector looking to ride the rebound. In this edition of Commerce Code, Travel in 2022, a conversation with Ed Puckhaber of Thanks Again. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. We're talking travel on Commerce Code this week, and we'll touch on some of the other good things in life that are coming back in 2022 as well. As the weather warms up in the Northern Hemisphere, it's wedding season again, and like tourism, weddings are a big business that's returning in earnest this year. The U.S. wedding industry, not including honeymoons, was worth $57 billion annually before the pandemic. According to The Knot, a wedding website and marketplace, about half of U.S. weddings were postponed in 2020, and the weddings that did go forward had a very low average guest count. Weddings resumed in 2021, but average guest count was still just over half its pre-pandemic number. The Knot projects 2.6 million weddings in the United States this year, compared to 2.1 million in 2019. According to the World Travel and Tourism Council, in 2019, the travel and tourism sector represented 10.4% of global GDP. If you're wondering, global GDP was $87 trillion in 2019, making travel and tourism about a $9 trillion industry. In 2020, travel and tourism fell almost half to 5.5%, or around $5 trillion. In 2020, 62 million jobs were lost in travel and tourism out of 334 million employed in 2019. Last week, the Global Business Travel Association reported that 86% of companies are now approving non-essential domestic business travel. That's a 10 percentage point rise since February, but that doesn't mean businesses will return to full travel this year. The Global Business Travel Association forecasts that business travel will recover to 2019 levels by 2024. The travel bounce back this year is thus being driven by tourism, particularly domestic tourism and to some extent international tourism too. Travel Pulse forecasts a 600% increase in American tourists in Europe this summer compared to last year, though travel to and from Asia remains severely constrained. Tourists, of course, have different spending and behavior patterns than business travelers, so the travel sector will be different than it was in the past. Today on the show, We'll learn more about evolving travel spending patterns by speaking with Ed Puckhaber, president and COO of Thanks Again. Ed, thank you so much for joining us today on Commerce Code. Where are you joining us from? Thank you for having me. We're located about 30 minutes south of Atlanta Airport. Great. Well, look, Ed, we had you, of course, as a keynote speaker in our virtual CardLinks Europe forum way back in February. And for those who missed it, I wonder if you can just catch us up by telling us what Thanks Again does. Sure. Thanks Again allows people to earn miles, points, and cash back when they shop, dine, and park at airports all across the United States. We're also expanding into Canada, other parts of the world. But for now, we have a real focus on the United States market. 
You mentioned Atlanta, and I think for a lot of Americans, especially those who live in the South, the old joke was, you know, when you die, you're not sure where you go, but you definitely connect through Atlanta. Is that still true? Everything connects through Atlanta. If you want to fly anywhere from east to west, you're generally going to go through Atlanta. That's, that's true. There you go. So, well, you know, the pandemic's been crazy for everybody, but in different ways, right? So travel and tourism obviously came to a halt for a while. Now that travel's booming again, and I can attest to it, having been in the airport a little bit the last few weeks, how has Thanks Again shifted its strategy to kind of keep up with the changes and new demands in the travel industry? Well, you're right, Dan. Travel is booming again. However, we haven't really seen business travel come back to normal levels yet. We've been tracking overall travel trends, and we track every day the TSA throughput. We have a chart that we look at that shows percentage of normal with regard to national TSA screenings. Currently, we're at about 80 to 90 percent of normal. Certain days, we hit more than 100 percent of normal. When the pandemic began, we hit an all-time low as a percentage of normal. It was about three and a half percent. And then we slowly crept back up. For the past 12 months, we've been in the 80% range. But certainly we see from a leisure travel standpoint, we're at almost 100%, if not greater than 100% of normal. This year should be a fantastic travel year for the U.S. domestic travel market, in part because of the war in Ukraine. People are rescheduling their travel. They're not as inclined to go to Europe, for example. And then on the business travel side, once again, we just aren't seeing business travelers go back in the numbers that we thought we would see. A lot of that is due to the comfort level that people now have with Zoom meetings and online conference calls. They are much more comfortable with that. Large corporations are still telling their employees, look, if you don't have to travel and if you don't need to travel, then don't travel, just do it on Zoom. And there's a much higher comfort level there. I know some professional services organizations anyway had really bumper years in 20 and 21 on the profit side, not, not necessarily revenue, because they just, so many costs went away. Travel was one of them. So you're absolutely right. It's been a big change. And so then I'm wondering, as you see the resurgence of travel now, and to your point, maybe more leaning towards leisure as opposed to business, but still a lot more travel. How is that affecting what you're experiencing and doing in terms of card-linked offers in the travel space? Well, card-linked offers, I think, are really a positive development in the travel space. One of the things that we've seen, however, is that the number of employees coming back to the concessionaires, coming back to the retail and dining establishments in the concession space within the airport industry, it really has lagged as it has throughout the greater economy. That does not go unnoticed by the traveler. You might not believe this, but being government entities, the airports have been kind of mired in the 20th century. Their reporting systems are still fairly antiquated so that when they provide reports to management or to the city managers or county managers, they provide reports many times three or four months in arrears. So what we did as a pandemic pivot was to start looking at the data that airports have running through them, not only from a passenger throughput point of view, but also a revenue throughput point of view so that we can really help the airport managers gain insight into what's actually going on at the airport as the pandemic hopefully subsides and as we get back to a more of a normal situation. When you said there were a government entity and then you said three or four months, I, I really thought you were going to go years. So three or four months, not that slow. Also, three and a half months too late to be useful, right? 
That's correct. A private business owner, whether it's a large corporation or a small company, you should be able to see what your daily revenue looks like, at least monthly revenue, and you should be able to get those reports on a timely basis. But as a government entity, any airport owned by a city, for example, they are in a different category. I mean, these entities are trying their best in many cases to report revenue as quickly as possible, but they don't have the integrated systems to do that. And that's one thing that we have done with a comprehensive data dashboard for airports. So not only showing the loyalty revenue, the loyalty spend, which is tied back to the card linking process with our members, but also their total spend. The other thing that we did was we started to focus during the pandemic on customer experience or CX. So what that means is real-time surveys instead of that sort of infamous mall walk survey that people generally do with the clipboard or iPad. What we are doing is integrating with airport Wi-Fi, for example, sending out a survey as soon as the traveler accesses Wi-Fi, asking about their experience, asking how the experience could be improved so we can give instant feedback to the airport on how they're performing that day. It's April now, summer's coming. I think summer's the big travel season statistically. Do you expect any kind of new trends in travel and loyalty as we head into that big busy season? A lot of people would think that Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's the biggest travel season. Those are the biggest travel days, the biggest travel weeks, if you will. But actually, during November and December, there's a lull in business travel. There's a lot of folks who would say, hey, I'm just not going to travel away from home during the holidays. So you have a real spike in leisure travel, but not as much business travel. During the lead up to the summer, you have a combination of leisure and business travel. So there definitely is a spike in travel throughout the summer and on into to the fall. And it's a very seasonal industry. So you definitely have identifiable trends of seasonality within airport passenger flows. Ed, for someone who hasn't used a platform like Thanks Again, and maybe like from a merchant's perspective, what kind of value does that bring to the consumer, especially in a post-pandemic world? And what's the overall value proposition? There is not a real opportunity from Thanks Again's perspective to integrate with every single point of sale system, even the point of sale system vendors. That's a moving target in the airport space. The concessionaires are constantly changing. So we have found that account linking and card linking as a whole is a critical way of tracking transactions in an environment where there are disparate owners. Being able to have a direct integration with the payment card networks or have account linking where there's the open banking APIs that are now available, where we can tap into consumer transactions on a consent-based basis, it makes it so much easier to run either a national program or even a localized program. And we've become very proficient at onboarding small merchants, individually owned merchants, as well as large national merchants onto our platform. And also with the change Changes in travel habits and the effect of the pandemic, people want to use contactless payment mechanisms. They want to maybe pay for their food in advance or order in advance. They want to reserve their parking in advance. We're seeing a lot more movement in those directions. That seems to me like a platform that allows players of all sizes to aggregate together and get some benefits from economies of scale that, frankly, you're able to provide through Thanks Again that individual players really can't themselves. I think that that's a leveling force for a very healthy retail economy at all levels. And it allows consumers, too, to be able to view their experience. Sometimes repeatedly, I used to be the guy that half lived in airports and view those things as a more coherent retail experience rather than just something you kind of have to slog through. 
Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people look at airports and they say, well, it's a captive audience. You can't really change behavior. Well, nothing's further from the truth. People are making a million little decisions when they travel, sometimes completely subconsciously or unconsciously. So there are a lot of different things that can be done using loyalty, using account linking and card linking to change consumer behavior and to change it in a positive way, to make people aware of a new restaurant that just opened or reopened, or to make people aware that they can pre-book their parking. That's a huge issue right now in Atlanta where they have to close down one of the big parking decks and to be able to let people know that they have options to pre-book their parking and secure that parking slot before they even get to the airport is a huge thing for travelers. And we're, we're in the midst of all of that, basically trying to, as you say, bring those economies together to create economies of scale. And that's, that's something that we're very much a part of is that day of travel journey and making it a smoother journey for people. That's great. And I'm going to leave it there. You've got me thinking about travel again. And unlike the last couple of years, I've got a bunch of travel lined up in the next uh, month or two. And so thanks for this great conversation. And we look forward to future conversations with you on Commerce Code. Thanks so much, Dan. Coming right up, closing thoughts on the future of business travel. I want to talk about business travel, but first I need to talk about business offices. We all know that the corporate office will never be the same. Senior executives who a year ago were making plans to return to the office aren't really talking in those terms anymore. For nearly everyone, the new and probably permanent arrangement will be a few days a week in the office and a few at home. The more transformative realization for most leaders is that a good chunk of their team no longer lives near the office. They moved. One Manhattan-based senior executive told me that they finally ran an audit of where their people were living, having gotten the impression that so many of their staff had moved out of the city. They were right. What they hadn't expected was how many of their staff had moved out of the state, and in some cases, out of the country. One of their software programmers had moved home, to Serbia. It's not just that staff have moved. Companies are facing the tightest labor market in anyone's memory, so when they open a new position in the Atlanta or Chicago headquarters, after a few months of no success filling it, it's common for them to simply open the position up to be filled by any qualified person, no matter where they live. In some cases, we're seeing companies open those positions up internationally. Could your treasurer live in Toronto or Tel Aviv? Why not? And honestly, at this point, it's a choice between having a treasurer and not having one. I think this trend, hiring people irrespective of where they are with little or no expectation that they will ever permanently relocate, is a natural and rational response to where technology has taken us. It never made sense for Boeing to hire the very, very best engineer they could find in Seattle. Boeing planes deserve the best engineer in the world. And what if she really doesn't like rainy weather? So with the help of better collaboration technology, we're seeing a permanent reordering of labor markets. And nearly every organization I've spoken with has baked all of this in by taking a reduction in square footage. That's a boost to their profitability for them, though surely not for commercial real estate owners. But they've also burned the ships on this issue. There's no going back. So business travel. It's obvious to me that the money that used to go into square footage will be spent eventually, though perhaps sooner than we think, on getting nationally or even globally dispersed teams into the same room once or twice a year, or maybe even once a quarter. You do need to meet people. You do need to shake their hands. We're humans, and among other things, we treat someone differently and think of them differently and work with them better 
once we've eaten with them. Breaking bread together is fundamental to thick relationships. Could you say you knew someone well or were friends with them or that they're a close colleague if you've never had a meal with them? Maybe, but it feels like something's missing here. No matter how many hours we've spent together on Zoom, we need to have dinner sometimes. So if we're spread all over and we're still human, we need to physically get together a few times a year. And if companies are spending less on commercial real estate, a lot less, it may turn out, doesn't this suggest a pretty serious increase in travel and hotel spending in a totally new category? Granted, sales travel may be permanently reduced, but now we're not just talking about the sales team being on the road. We're talking about every team, project teams, the finance department, the HR function, even the actuaries will have to emerge from their offices and try to look each other in the eye once or twice a year. If all that happens at scale, that's a lot of spending, and it'll mean new things for the travel and hospitality business. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website at www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless. This is Dan Carell, signing off. Thank you.